Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to Becoming Chiron, the key to unlocking healing and personal alchemy with me, your hostess, Ursula Duffy. Today's episode is going to be all about tomorrow's Scorpio full moon and lunar eclipse, as well as the 10th house and having Chiron in the 10th house of your natal chart. And we will get started, as we always do, with the astro weather check. But before we even get into that, I just want to say a few things about some synchronicities that I've noticed and the fact that Becoming Chiron turned one, I believe, on April 25th. I may have hosted the first episode on May 1st, but I last year, but I did actually record it, I believe, on the 25th, which purposefully was during a solar eclipse on my ascendant, which is 11 degrees of Taurus. And as I am recording this today, a new Mercury cycle just began on my ascendant. <laughs> so a year later, two really cool synchronicities at a very delicate chart point, I feel, the ascendant. And what a perfect opportunity to carry forward changing and up-leveling the way that I'm showing up and working through the world. That's what the Ascendant and the First House are all about. So just really cool synchronicities there. I just, you know, cannot make this stuff up. And today's episode is number 22, which is also pretty cool because that's an awesome angel number. Look that one up if you don't know what it means, but it's a master number and just another cool thing. 11 plus 11 is 22. <laughs> so interesting, interesting timing with all of this going on and happening. And just the fact that we're in the almost wrapping up eclipse season and the Mercury retrograde that began right around the same time that eclipse season kind of began or this segment of eclipse season. So we'll get into all of that. But I just wanted to to share that, and I'm just so excited about the future of this podcast, and it's just been so therapeutic and cathartic for me to sit here and be brave enough, one, to open my mouth, which has taken me a very long time and lots of practice over the last five years to even be comfortable doing this, and then just to see how each show has built on itself and just become more and more of not easy, but helping me push myself in a different direction. And I'm just so grateful to everyone that listens to this and that has found me along the way and shared stories and comments. And I so appreciate that too. And I welcome it. If you're listening on YouTube or Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Amazon, wherever you're tuning in, I so appreciate you being here with me and staying with me and listening to this show and the stories and all the content that I have to share. And I believe at this point, since we're talking about the 10th house today, we have two more episodes to go with focus on Chiron in the houses. And then I'm pretty sure we'll start season three with Chiron through the signs. And then that should be roughly 12 episodes. And then we'll get into season four, which is where I really want to start interviewing people and bringing people on to share their own stories about their Chiron placements, in particular, people with Chiron in the first house like me, which is what this whole show is devoted to. So my inner maverick is coming out more and more every time I sit down to record a show. And I'm just so grateful and honored and just happy to have this awareness and to just have discovered astrology and all of the things. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And just what a commemorative, synchronistic one-year episode. So let's get into the astro weather. I would be very curious to hear from anybody listening what's been going on in the last couple of weeks in particular. As we shared in the last episode that was recorded just before the very potent second new moon that we had in Aries, that was also a total solar eclipse. So that was on the 20th of April. And then I shared last time, shortly after that eclipse happened, the moon shifted into Taurus, then the sun shifted into Taurus, and then the next day, Mercury retrograde began officially. 
So prior to all of that, we were in the shadow periods. The eclipse season had kind of started with the Libra full moon that happened right before the first eclipse. So this is the first eclipse season of 2023. This is the first time we're experiencing the eclipses starting to shift signs as the nodes of the moon will change signs in the summer. And as we know, we've talked about the nodes of the moon or why eclipses happen. Whenever the sun gets close to a node, we have eclipse season. So we've been in Taurus season now since the 20th of April. And Taurus season will continue until, I'm pretty sure it's around the 21st. Yeah, on the 21st of May, the sun shifts into Gemini. So it'll be interesting for reflection to just go back to maybe early April to personally start working with these cycles and the eclipses and just really paying attention to what's going on for you personally and see what's materialized. As we've talked about eclipses, eclipses are times to really just pay attention to what's going on. They bring things to the surface. They bring things to light. It's really a time where we can experience intense shifts and changes in our lives that just kind of feel like they're coming out of nowhere especially with tomorrow's full moon, which we'll get into as we have the planet Uranus involved once again. So lots of energy pushing us towards transformation and growth, release of emotions in particular, especially things that we may have buried a little bit within ourselves, release of old patterns. As we're now going to be dealing with the Scorpio side of things, all of that comes up. So Good time for reflection on the eve of this full moon and lunar eclipse. And then with the Mercury cycle, the retrograde began on the 21st. So this, this was the second, is the second Mercury retrograde of 2023. The first one was in Capricorn. We started off the year with that. So the way the Mercury cycles work, the beginning of the retrograde, the beginning of the retrograde, we're kind of burning off the energy from the last cycle. And then Mercury comes into a conjunction of the, with the sun, which is it being at the same degree of the same sign. So that was at 11 degrees of Taurus on Monday. And that's called a Kazemi or a Syzygy, both really cool words, two of my favorite words. And then a new cycle begins. I'm of the opinion and in the group of astrologers who follow that the cycle begins when the planet's retrograde for Mercury and Venus when it's at the same degree of the same sign with the sun. So in the heart of the sun. And that was on Monday, like I said, and now we're in a new Mercury cycle, which began in Taurus. So themes around the physical world, manifests of the physical world, finances, personal finances, belongings, and to a higher vibration, our sensual experience in our physical bodies and beyond the physical. So those themes will carry forward for the next three months until we have the next Mercury retrograde in the fall on the sign of Virgo. So pay, also other things to pay attention to as the cycle began kind of in the middle of eclipse season, particularly between the two eclipses, very interesting things to call in, pay attention to, and also to really see what's coming up for you what's coming out of the shadows tomorrow's full moon and which is also a lunar eclipse will be in the sign of scorpio around 1 34 p.m here on the east coast and that is going to be also pretty potent as far as the full moon energy goes the eclipse is a weaker eclipse it's not a total one or anything like that but this eclipse i'm looking at the chart and in the opposite sign of Taurus, we have the North Node, Mercury, still retrograde, the Sun, the planet, the planet Uranus. And that's all opposite the Moon and the South Node is the only other thing that we have in the sign of Scorpio during this time. So the opportunity for balance in this full Moon is in the energy of the oppositions. Whenever we have a full moon, the sun is opposite the moon. That's why it's a full moon. And there's always kind of a tense energy around that. As we know, as we experience as humans every month, full moons are pretty intense times just because of the nature of the moon being opposite the sun. 
But now we throw in all of the energy on the opposite side of Taurus and it's even more potent because there's more pressure. The moon is related very much to our inner world, our senses of safety and security. It's not necessarily happy in the sign of Scorpio. The moon is said to be exalted in the sign of Taurus. So whenever we have a planet or one of our luminaries in the sign opposite of its exaltation or rulership, there's usually a, a challenge to the expression of it. And with Scorpio energy, the intensity that it's commonly known for comes from the deep and intense emotions that go along with the energy of this sign. So now we have the moon kind of not in a happy place anyway, and the expression and the feelings and all of that is are intensified. It's opposite the planet Uranus almost exactly. The full moon will be at 14 degrees, almost 15 degrees of Scorpio. We have Uranus right now at 18 degrees of Taurus, so almost exactly opposite. So Uranus, Uranian energy brings change. And we're already in this period of change with the eclipses anyway. So Uranian energy is very erratic. It can be very surprising, but it also can be very catalyzing. And one of the highest expressions and the point of Uranian energy, whenever it touches something collectively or in our own charts, as I've talked about with all of this Uranus going through my first house of Taurus, is it brings a revolution. It brings revolutionary energy and it forces us to step into our individuation. So this full moon has all of that energy flavored and infused into it. And it's definitely going to push out of our comfort zones. The moon's very much related to our comfort zone. And with Scorpio energy in particular, it's very much about transformation. We have many animals associated with the sign of Scorpio. Primarily, it's the scorpion. But we also have the eagle, the phoenix, the snake. So think about all of these animals and what they do. The scorpion, its body is a weapon and it's deadly which is another interesting thing to think about with the other animals that I just mentioned, because all of those animals in some way, whether they're quote unquote real or not, represent some kind of transformation and growth. And ultimately that's what Scorpio is really all about. And it's that transformation that comes from the transmutation of those intense and deep feelings. So this full moon, this eclipse, this eclipse season, has entirely been about our transformation, which isn't always comfortable. We have to face our fears. We have to get out of our comfort zones. We have to feel. And depending on where you're coming from in all of those processes personally, it's not always the easiest thing and it's certainly not always the most comfortable thing. But it's great opportunity and especially with the energy that's been brewing and the energy that's coming tomorrow and on the other side of the full moon as well for a few days. It is ripe. And also just to mention this, the, whenever we have a full moon in Scorpio, it's very much associated with Buddha. Tomorrow is actually a quote unquote holiday called Wisak. And that is a celebration of the Buddha. And the Buddha was born, was enlightened, and died under a full moon in Scorpio. And think about what the Buddha represents and how that relates to how all those lessons and teachings and the entire life represents consciousness and transformation and letting go. So one of my taglines for this full moon and eclipse that has been in the past and still currently is, as I talk about it now, Discover your inner Buddha. If you're finding this energy challenging or it's bringing up a lot that might be a little bit difficult to deal with, drop into that energy. Do a little research. If you're not familiar with the Buddha, maybe dive into that. That could be really cool. There are some online celebrations for WESOC as well tomorrow. Diana Cooper is hosting one. So that could be fun to explore and dive into and just be around a community of people if the energy is, being, is feeling really intense and, and isolating. But it will pass, and then with the new moon in Taurus on the 18th of May, actually the 19th of May, sorry, we will exit eclipse season, 
and the Mercury retrograde will be over by then, and then we'll get kind of more into forward momentum on the other side of all of this to our integration phase. Just also to mention for right now, I'm not sure exactly when this will correct itself, but our moons are backwards. So we had two new moons in Aries, and the first new moon was the eclipse on the 20th of April. So now we're having a full moon in Scorpio, and then we'll have the new moon in Taurus. So usually we have the new moon first and then the full moon. So with the two moons, two new moons in the same sign, we're a little bit tripped up right now, and we're going to be having our full moons for a while before the new moon in the sign that usually happens before the full moon. A little bit confusing, but just wanted to mention it <laughs> because you'll notice that we'll be having the it'll it's it's going to be switched a little bit backwards for a while until whenever this year at some point we'll have two full moons in the same sign and then it'll correct itself. So that is our astro weather check. I'm pretty sure I'll be recording again right around the Taurus new moon, so right before or around the 19th. And we have a couple other planetary transitions happening during that time. Venus is going to change signs on the 8th, so in a couple of days from now. That's not a big, big deal because you know, Venus shifts, shifts signs pretty frequently. And... The energy will will change a little bit though. Venus has been in the sign of Gemini. It's gonna Venus is gonna move into Cancer, and if I know I've mentioned this pretty much in every episode since it started, but if you haven't gotten out at sunset or after sunset to see Venus, you gotta. Venus is dazzling and bright and just so beautiful. It's like the queen of the evening. Get out and see that if you can, if you're in a place where you have a clear view at sunset and after, because it's just not, it's something not to miss. And then, yeah, we'll have, Jupiter will shift signs. So I'll probably record around that time and we'll talk about Jupiter changing signs. So Jupiter will shift from Aries into Taurus. And then we'll have even more Taurus energy. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. I love Taurus energy. I'm a Taurus rising. It's my path to embodiment. And I've been in all over multiple expressions of the vibration of the sign. And I feel like I'm just really coming into slowing down and getting really into the sensual experience and pleasure and just enjoying my life after everything that I've shared. Just, it's nice to slow down and I'm grateful. So let's get into our Chiron content for today. We were talking about, as I said, Chiron in the 10th house of one's natal chart. So 10th house is the place where we express ourselves in a public way, in the outer world. It's commonly associated with our career or our job. I mean, at this point, I'm more in line with it just being an outward expression. It's one of the houses at the top of the chart. It's known as one of the angular houses most times, or frequently it's where the midheaven can be. Mine's in the ninth, but the more common ones are the ninth or the tenth. So midheaven being highest expression of self, soul's gift to the world. So the tenth is where we it's our it's where we express ourselves in the outside world. It can also be how people see us publicly and how we work through that space. And when it pulls in the career space, a lot of times it's where we interact with people and how we show up as ourselves or not or whatever in a work environment or with a group of people or other. So not a great amount of themes to go over as far as the way that I personally work with it. But for me personally, the space, that space of my chart in Aquarius is my south node. So for me, having my south node in the 10th house in Aquarius has translated in different ways throughout many different times of my life. In a lot of ways, before I started really embodying more and coming into myself and being my authentic and true self and my own path to my indiv individuation, which is what I've talked about throughout this show, I was very comfortable, South Node being our comfort zone and all the soul experiences that we come into this lifetime with. 
I was very comfortable being very aloof. Aquarian energy can be very emotionally detached. And I was very comfortable in a public setting, whether that be in my workplace or with friends or anywhere in the outside world, not talking and observing and being extremely emotionally detached and not interacting with people. And that was my comfort zone for a long time. And now that I'm coming into my true purpose and since leaving the corporate world and all the things that I've shared, it is me showing up and being engaged as my quirky, eccentric, sciencey astrologist self. <laughs> so it can express in many different ways personally and in several people that I've worked with. I've shown it show up as a public humiliation or there's other words that I'm I'm losing at the moment but being shamed publicly for showing up as your truest self. I've done a past life reading before. It was a hypnosis one. It was really, really cool. And I was brought back to a past life where I was a person that would like speak in the town square. I, I remember it so vividly. It's still like right in, right in my mind's eye. I was like, um, not, not a heretic, but I would go out like it, it, there were like dirt roads. It might've been somewhere in Europe. I have no idea. There were horses, like I can, I have these memories that surfaced during this time. And I was just speaking out about things that probably were what people were hunted for and, you know, burned to the stake for at, in historical times past. And I was publicly shamed. They, the people turned on me, the people that used to listen to me and gather, and they were my supporters, turned on me. And I was publicly shamed. I was not killed, but I was ostracized. And I became a recluse and did not leave my home and lived out my days hide in hiding. So I've seen that, like I said, in my own experience through that past life regression and in other people with South Node in the 10th, having some kind of tie to a past life where something like that happened. So if you have South Node on the 10th, I'd love to hear what your experience and interpretations are regarding that. That is the only placement I have in my 10th house. So interesting perspective and variety of perspectives and the way that that's, the way that I've embodied that in this lifetime for sure, especially right now, really showing up as in that Uranian energy and the Saturnian energy to an extent to like taking responsibility for that and then still, you know, whatever showing up <laughs> as my truest self now in that space in a public way, like what we're doing here and in teaching and in owning a healing arts business and all of those things. So let's get into Barbara. This is what Barbara says about having Chiron in the 10th house of one's natal chart. And if you're new to the podcast, this is what I do. This is what I've been doing throughout this whole season. I am reading the material from Barbara Hand Clow's Chiron Rainbow Bridge Between the Inner and Outer Planets book about the natal placement. And then I will read from, just to give another perspective and other people's words regarding the, the topic and the concept and the meaning of the house in particular, from the Black Moon Astrology Cards deck, I'll read the information on the 10th house card. And in all of these two, with Barbara's book, I'm kind of skipping over all of the specific references that she gives to her research and the personal work and things that she's done to develop everything that she put into this book. And then also with the Black Moon cards, it's an Oracle deck, so just keep that in mind. It talks about having the card as part of a spread. And then it'll also talk about a natural chart, like an Aries rising chart. So it'll, it's a sign, the 10th house to a specific sign but that's not going to be the same thing for everybody. Like for me, it's Aquarius, but in a natural chart, in an Aries rising chart, Capricorn is the 10th house. So 
just FYI, if you're new here, I wanted to review that before we dove in. So Barbara says about Chiron in the 10th, the angular houses of the zodiac represent the four directions on earth, expressing vertical reach energy, which connects higher planes to earth, crossed in the middle by horizontal spread power. And this is a natural chart. So we are pulled out by Aries Libra to know the self and to encounter the other. The vertical reach of Cancer Capricorn is the individualized tree of life of our natal system, causing it to spread downward into the third and fourth houses, and the energy of the ninth and tenth houses reaches increasingly upward, testing our desire to ascend to the sky. The tenth house is the gateway to the last quadrant of the zodiac. The tenth through twelfth houses where we give to the outside world all we have gathered in the first nine houses. In the 10th, we give our power and work. And she says, we manifest our chironic force into the cosmos. Chiron's presence in the 10th house signals a crisis about manifesting true purpose on the earth plane. So I'm going to skip over a little bit of this. The 10th house is pragmatic and is the essence of bringing matter into form. The 10th house trines the house of Chiron, the sixth. So pause for a moment on the reading. In Barbara's book, she pretty much assigns Chiron to being the ruler of the sign of Virgo. In a natural chart, Virgo is the sixth house. So that's what she was describing there. If you want to go into detail about that, it's very interesting, her perspective. Get the book. So the trines to the sixth from the second and tenth houses express the full essence of the being of the centaur. This master warrior force wants power at the highest levels of the tenth house and he can only sustain it with the perfect grounding force of the second house. Then the warrior force moves from the power of the 10th to the prodding, driving quincunx of the 11th house. That's a little bit advanced, but I, I can speak to it at the end. The 10th house will always be a driven house because that is where we get the planetary juice but it only becomes a sacred power if we are prepared to give it all away in the 11th. The native with Chiron in the 10th house is not seeking power for power's sake. He or she is seeking power for release to Uranus. But what does that mean? In the fourth house, deepest connection and roots were sought. Our most primal lessons with roots come from our own family. Chiron in the 10th is always connected to fourth house lessons in one way or another. The gifts that are mastered in the 10th are the food of culture and the events of history. Individuals with Chiron in the 10th have authority, although they may be trying not to take it on. They possess power, although it may stir conflicts in their being, and they have been projected upon first by their parents and later by their teachers because of all their intense energy so radically exposed. They wear the quote unquote mantle of power and the only solution for them is to accept their power. Now that culture is evolving and the new age models of power favor mastery, they will find out that life makes sense. During the height of patriarchal power, they were miserable. The key to Chiron in the 10th house is the mastery of power as a sacred gift. These individuals must accept their birthright of much-needed leadership with sensitivity. It is hard for them to let go of control because they seem to feel the power of their individuation very intensely. Wow. So... Are you listening? And do you have Chiron in the 10th house? And does that resonate? I would love to hear it. Love to hear all about it. 
So just a couple things that were a little bit more advanced that she talks about. Two to four to 10, those are usually regarding regardless of the chart. Let me just check myself right there. Two. No. She's talking, so trines are harmonious flows of energy between the elements. Yeah, so those are triangles. And when you see someone that has a triangle shape in their chart, that means they have a grand trine, which is a connection between a certain placement in all of the signs that are in the same element. And that's a harmonious flow. There will be very specific houses pretty much in every chart that are that triangle shape. Whether the triangle is complete or not, it's still a 120 degree angle. Quincunxes, I don't really work with. That's another aspect in astrology, aspects being the energetic flow between the planets or chart place, placements. I can't speak to that too, too much because I don't really work with it. I usually only work with the primary aspects, which we've talked about in every episode. So she does pull in information from the fourth, which is the opposite house of the tenth. So those two work as a pair. And we've talked about how the lower hemisphere of the chart is all our personal development and lessons. And then seven through 12 is where we bring them out into the world. So 10 and four, there's always a dynamic, whether you have placements there or not between home and family, and then how that shows up and how you express yourself in the outside world. Go back to the fourth house episode of this season if you want to learn more about that or if you want to learn about Chiron and the fourth house and what Barbara has to say about that. So just to touch on a couple of things that may have been a little bit confusing. And let's move into the Oracle card. This card's really cool. And it's number 34 in the deck, which adds up to a seven which is the sign of the mystic and the seeker. And we're in a seven year this year in 2023. So pretty cool. And the word for the card is the world. And if you're familiar with the tarot, that is one of the last keys in the major arcana. Also a very cool card, key. And if you want to learn more about that, look that up. But it's definitely very much about higher expression. And from the Oracle card description in the book, Black Moon Astrology deck, the desire for fame tempts even noble minds. And that is a quote by St. Augustine from the City of God. And the description, fame and the world at large. In astrology, the 10th house, which is at the top of the zodiac, embodies the masculine principle and represents the father or a primary male influence, or at least a very powerful, influential man. It can also represent the man in a woman's life. Because the 10th house opposes the fourth, it can sometimes represent the woman or the mother in your life. But mostly the 10th house stands for reputation and standing. This is an ambitious card. It's about owning the world and being on the top of the world. It is the ultimate card to have for when you need to be confident in what you are doing and to go for what you want and nothing less. Because the 10th house is the house of Capricorn, like I said, in a natural chart, Aries rising, it indicates you are about to put forth a diligent and concentrated effort. The climb and the advancement of your reputation is what the 10th house card means when it turns up in a spread. It also suggests looking at everything as the big picture. Since the 10th house is ruled by Saturn, if it's a Capricorn house or an Aquarius house, being required to tell the truth or to be honest will have great bearing on how you advance your goals. People will discuss what you're doing what you have started or are about to make. You may be contacted by the media, become recognized, or at least you will see your efforts in some public forum. The matter in hand may have something to do with governments, traveling to other lands or encountering foreigners, or it could just mean your ambitions are about to gain momentum. 
Layers of illusion will be removed. Your essential self disclosed. This could be in relation to the public or a possible love interest. If a love interest, they could be older or more established, or they will work along beside you in meeting your goals. If this card comes up, it can sometimes mean playing along with the status quo to get ahead. It could be to do with paying your dues, grabbing what you can and taking advantage of a situation. This card suggests how high you can go in this lifetime, or at least concerning the issue at hand. Since it symbolizes the world, it also represents the earth. So working the land or acquiring land is something that may come into play and can therefore denote growth, crops, plants, farmers, and farming. Since Saturn plays in, this card can also represent a reaper, such as in you reap what you sow. So with the 10th house card, you get back what you give. In essence, though, this is the primary card of fame and infamy, your legacy, and what you will become known for. It is the house of success and failure. And this card will tell of what will likely come about, depending on the surrounding cards and upon the energies that surround you at the current time. Truth and honesty will decide this matter. The universe is supporting you now. Tenth house card in brief, power, your position of power and how you are thrust into it, reigning powers, influential people, meeting persons in power, the world, world travels, the public, the masculine principle, the father, the husband, the most important man in your life, the subject of the reading, if male, your reputation, how you are viewed, fame and infamy, your legacy, the upper spine, physical endurance, aging, measure, time, clocks, using others, sucking up to others, the sycophant, hard work or not working hard enough, planning, diligence, step-by-step -step success, not overnight success, being methodical and efficient, banks, privilege, the elite going where the money is, achieving success, people paying attention, the voice of wisdom, ownership, destiny, and your place in the world at large. Corresponding tarot card, the world. Key ideas, life's calling, what you have to do, career, the mother, the father, glory, reputation, and fame. Wow. So that is the 10th house. That is Chiron in the 10th house. That is very cool content. I love this space of the chart. Not only because I'm partial because I have my South Node there, but <laughs> it's just a fun place to work with. It's really cool to see how it shows up and materializes for people and how that dynamic changes as people become more conscious and step more into their higher selves and their their higher purpose and in the individuation, like I said. So that's been interesting. And just a little personal share. When Pluto shifted into Aquarius recently, and now Pluto is retrograde as of May 1st, and is starting the journey back into Capricorn. So as I said, it's going to drift back and forth between the two signs over the next year, year and a half. So Pluto dipped in on March 24th, and on that day, I was doing something. I think we did a drum circle. At, yeah, we did a drum circle at HG Workshops in Northfield. So that was cool. That was a new location and audience for us. And shortly thereafter, we did have something happen business-wise that was a great opportunity, which has not unfortunately materialized, but it would have put us in a position of power to an extent. So... I'm paying very close attention to that vibe and what's happening and what has been materializing in, over the last month since that zero degree of Aquarius has been touched temporarily by Pluto. 
And we have a lot of Plutonic themes happening at the moment. Pluto, Pluto being the planet of transformation. We went way into depth at, with, on Pluto in the Mighty Squares episode. But Pluto's squaring the nodes it has been and will be for a while. Like I said, the nodes are going to shift uh, in July of this year. Right now, they're around, I think, four degrees of Taurus and Scorpio. So Taurus and Scorpio, square that axis squares Leo and Aquarius. So with Pluto at zero degrees and the nodes at three, four degrees across, that's a pretty intense square. Whenever there's something squaring the nodes, whether it's in our natal chart, which I have, which we talked about, or just collectively as these things change and shift through the sky at all, at all the time, pretty much, it really does ask us to dig deep. And the fixed energy holds energy. That's why Taurus and all of the fixed signs are, you know, known for stubbornness, but that's really because they hold the energy. Think of the seasons and when things are constant, like what we're in now. Springtime is, starts off with a bang because we have that cardinal energy, the energy of new beginnings coming in with Aries, and then it holds. And we're coming up on the transition now to the warmer weather and the summer season. So Taurus holds, Leo holds. Scorpio holds, and so does Aquarius. And with the square to the nodes, it's always a repeating lesson. It's something we're being really called to do. It's like a threshold or um, kind of like the hero's journey story. And we're all being called to do that individually and collectively at this time. And with that Aquarius energy, it's the revolution, baby. So really interesting themes and things we have going on. And, uh, yeah, interesting times that we're in, for sure. So that's pretty much all that I wanted to talk about today. Because, as we know, I, in my training and in my personal experience, eclipse seasons and eclipses are so tied to dragon energy. I wanted to pull us a card from my dragon deck, also by Diana Cooper. So I will pull a dragon card close out for us today before I talk about our current upcoming events. And we got the green gold dragon from Sirius. Brings universal knowledge to your spiritual pathway. Learn about spiritual technology. Be a transmitter of sacred knowledge. And this has a globe on it with a dragon underneath of it. And it's the world. So what a cool, <laughs> what a cool synchronicity for our topic today. And I will read from the book because I feel like that's always helpful. So the green gold dragon from Sirius is, let's see here, one of the seventh dimensional dragons. So page 88 in the book, if you have the deck. Okay. So about the green gold dragon from Sirius. Within the inner planes of the star system of Sirius and its ascended aspect, Lacume. I think I'm saying that right? A-L-A-K-U-M-A-Y. There are renowned universities attended by beings from the entire cosmos. In these elevated establishments, higher knowledge and spiritual technology from many universes are disseminated. These magnificent dragons work in these academies of light and carry the keys and codes of the spiritual technology of the future in their energy fields. Their mission is to spread to all those who are ready to help bring in the new golden age. These dragons are cosmic travelers and like all dragons, help us to move through the dimensions. In addition, they will guide and protect us on our interdimensional journeys between earth and other parts of the universe, especially if we aspire to be an intergalactic master. And the guidance? Drawing this card suggests you invite these luminous beings to swirl around you, touching your chakras with the sacred geometry of the universe. Then ask them to tune you in to any aspect of higher knowledge you can bring forward now. Sit quietly and allow this to happen. You may receive a download of information or various keys and codes you carry in your soul may light up. If so, you will become a transmitter who broadcasts sacred knowledge. 
though you may not be consciously aware of it. This is a very powerful dragon, so notice subtle changes in your thoughts and attitudes. Your dreams may reveal memories from your travels with the wonderful green gold dragons from Sirius. Wow. Pretty cool. Thank you, dragons. Always appreciate those beautiful messages. So if you're up for working with dragon energy, harness your inner Khaleesi and practice that little meditation and try and work with them. That's pretty cool. And there's something I wanted to mention about the dragons. Well, if they've been speaking to you, pay attention. They are incredible, awesome elemental guides. They are 100% real in my opinion, in my experience, and a big part of the reason why I'm sitting here speaking to you now on a podcast about astrology and Chiron. So very cool to work with them if you want to, and good time to work with that dragon in particular and that energy. Oh yeah, I wanted to talk about the unified field. So one of the things that's very much in alignment with the Aquarian energy, speaking of the shift with Pluto, is tapping into these energy systems that we can't see, like the ties that bond the universe together. Very cool energy to try and tap into, like the ley lines, like the energy in the air and the things that we can't see around us. Think about stories and things where people have tapped into the unified field for free energy and that kind of thing, like Tesla's work and that kind of stuff. That all is very much in alignment with Aquarian energy as well. So having a card like that come up during this interesting preview with Pluto and Aquarius during eclipse season, Pluto being the modern ruler of the sign of Scorpio, all of that, all of those layers kind of tying together now in conclusion. So as usual, I will wrap up with what we have going on. If you'd like to reach out to me, if you've listened and anything has resonated, please feel free to share. UrsaAlchemy at gmail.com. U-R-S-A-A-L-C-H-E-M-Y. I am on SeaGoddessHealingArts.com on the Ursa Alchemy banner. If you just scroll down to like the bottom third of the page. And there, that's where you can access all of my resources and all of my services. One-on-one -on -one work with people is my all-time favorite thing to do. It's what really lights me up and plugs me in. I offer a variety of different birth chart readings, different time levels, different pricing, different scales. And my signature service is astrological aromatherapy, putting the two together, being a certified aromatherapist and a professional astrologer. I love combining the discipline and really getting into the ener energy of one's natal chart through the aromatherapy lens as well. I also offer aromatherapy consults, and that's where you can find links to pretty much my legacy website at this point. I'm trying to figure out what to do with it. UrsaAlchemy.com is where all my old blog posts are, links to podcast interviews, my testimonials, that kind of thing. You can find links to all that on my page, SeaGoddessHealingArts.com slash UrsaAlchemy. I would love to work with you. I would be honored if you're feeling called after listening to this podcast to work with me. What we have going on at Sea Goddess as a team tonight will be our weekly Thursday night live readings. We live stream that at 7.30 Eastern time on our YouTube and our Facebook pages, channels. So we'll be going live tonight at 7.30 to discuss the current energies and to do live readings. And that is a complimentary at this point but we always include a link to our virtual tip jar, as we call it. So we appreciate donations for our time for the readings. So that is tonight at 7.30, like I said, Eastern time. And then tomorrow, if you're in the South Jersey area, if you're local, we're vending at the Crops Spring Market at Linwood Central Square. That starts, I believe, at 10, 9, 9 to 12. So the market's 9 to 12. It's in the back parking lot. So come off of Route 9, turn into Linwood Central Square, go like you were going to the Thai restaurant that's back there or the old Italian place. I forget what it is now. But the whole back parking lot is the farmer's market and there's yoga and a fitness class and fun activities planned. They always have something special going on with each market. So come on, check us out, say hi. We'll be there with our, all of our products that we have when we vend. So custom, beautiful 
crystal jewelry, bracelets and necklaces, and our Oregon pieces that are wonderful Jess Hibble makes. She's Oregon Original Works. And Oregon, her pieces are not only beautiful, but they're also functional as Oregon offers protection against radiation and Wi-Fi and harmful things also in the energy field that we can't see. And it's very protective and all of her pieces are beautiful. She has pendants and pieces that are molded into shapes like mermaid tails and turtles and pyramids and skulls and keychains and all kinds of things. And all of her pieces sparkle, there's glitter in all of them. So they're also beautiful. So we'll have those and we'll have our aromatherapy line, which is, which is handcrafted by me and my, my partner, Mandy. So we have my energy smokeless smudge cleansing spray, roll on perfume. She makes the bath salts, which are delightful. And we call them immerse and I've tried them and, and they're awesome. And I just started making a natural deodorant. So we'll have that there as well as a beard oil that I make for the guys out there who've got beards and want it to be soft and smell good. So we have all those products as well as custom tie-dye t-shirts and other custom pieces of art. And we'll have information on our upcoming events there as well. So that's in person tomorrow, nine to 12. If you're in the area, come stop by and see us. And we also have, we sell sage and wish bracelets and stickers and all kinds of other goodies. So we'll be there with all that tomorrow. And then on Monday, we're hosting our second in-person soul space circle slash wellness night at Spa Day Lux in Egg Harbor Township. That is from seven to nine. Registration is required for that. Space is limited to only 10 people and we already have, we're about half full at this point. So if you want to join us for that, it's a lovely evening of meditation and messages from spirit. And I'll be there. Manny and I are both hosting it together. So she holds circle and space beautifully. So she anchors it in. And then we just, it's a safe space. It's a sacred space to share whatever's coming up for you at this time. We'll do a little soul inquiry, meditation. I'll do another astro weather update on the other side of the full moon. And it's just beautiful. And the first one was so lovely. So if you're craving in-person connection in that way and want to join in on a soul space, women's circle, that is at Spa Day Locks in Egg Harbor Township, Monday night, 7 to 9, registration's on our website. You'll see it right on our homepage at the very top, or you can register right there. It's $22. And then I'm trying to think about the rest of the week. I don't, we don't have anything going on Mother's Day weekend. We wanted to be with our moms. So... Yeah, I'll be recording again before that, but in the meantime, you can see everything and anything we have going on on our website, seagoddesshealingarts.com. So that is it for today. Thank you so much for being here with me. I'm just so excited. You're one in the, in the books. And as always, remember to be a maverick. Bye.